Hello, um, welcome to Seeing It This Way. Oh my god, he's being so weird. This is my first, this is going to be the first podcast that I'm actually putting up. And this is the first one I'm doing via Skype, and my friend Lira is being a fucking weirdo and doing weird things with his mouth. So that's cool. Um, so yeah, I'm Jamie, I'm the host. Um, so this podcast is about emo and all of its forms, uh, what it means to people, things like that. Um, this is actually the third I'm recording, but the first that's going to be put up. Um, so our first guest is my, I guess, friend. I guess we're friends. You guess. <laughs> you guess. He's very beardy right now, so I kind of wish we weren't friends. Um, Lior Galil, and he should talk about what he is. <laughs> <laughs> I am a male human, 29 years old. Uh, I am a music writer for the Chicago Reader. I'm a staff writer. I've been a staff writer for uh, two or three years, I think. Yeah, it's 2015, so about two and a half years. Woo! Um, I also freelance when I can on the side um, and had been a freelance music journalist before that. Um, so I kind of cover the breadth of music but tend to focus on emo and hip-hop um, when I can. But right now I'm writing about like a metal band, so it's... You know, I like to mix it up. Mixing it up. 2K15. That's Lior. Thanks, Um, Yeah, well, I am really, really glad that he can do this because he's so busy. Busy being a fucking asshole writer that works from home. Um, I'm sorry. Guys, I'm in a bad mood. I am on my period. I'm sorry. Should we restart this? No. Fuck no. Okay. Is anyone surprised this is what this podcast sounds like? No. <laughs> anyway, I can cut out if need be, but I don't want to, so I won't. Um, yeah, so fun fun f- story about how Lior and I met, because I want to say this. Um, oh, boy. We both went to Brandeis University together, and he's older than me. Uh, we met uh, during orientation week. I was an orientation leader. Jamie was a new student who was wearing a TV on the radio shirt, and... Uh, that man is one of my favorites, so I excitedly approached her and talked her ear off. Um, yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Yep, and then he was like, join the Punk Rock and Roll Club. And I was like, eh, okay. So that was what happened, and then... Punk Rock and Roll Club is an organization that I started with a friend of mine, Ethan, who was a year older than me. He actually started it and brought me on, and we booked smaller shows at Brandeis. Uh, yeah, we, we booked shows in a small coffee house in a castle that, rumor has it, was the basis of the Friends Coffee House, because the Friends creators went to Brandeis, but I think that rumor has been refuted. Yeah. Times. I think so. This is fun. It's on Brandeis history. I'm sure everyone cares a lot about this. Yeah, it's very important. It's very important, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's how Leo and I met. So it was my first week of freshman year, so I knew him all throughout college. Um, anyway, he's a cool dude. We both like emo. He knows things and feels things oh, and thanks. cares about things. Yeah. He is a male human, as he said. So. I am male human. Um, yeah, so I asked him to do this podcast. So this is a general one where, um, normally we'll talk about either, like, a band or an album, um, but this one will kind of be more overarching. Uh, so, Lior, how do you define emo? Uh, the, the basic definition is that it's a subgenre of hardcore, a post-hardcore subgenre that started in D.C. in 1985 and has since grown and mutated and evolved and, you know, 
into this like very ambiguous kind of uh, shape shifting, like not animals. even genre or sound, but like uh, this this kind of interesting. Wow, I'm I'm part of part of me. I'm a little a little out of it, but like the kind of the, the rooting in the family tree of, of emo mm-hmm. just is so strange and, and has so many weird like tangents and crossovers and that alone is, is one of the, not alone, but that is one of the, the things that I find very interesting um, about it is just the various mutations and interpretations mm-hmm. and, and sidesteps and, and the way that people approach it is, you know, at times as fascinating as many of the bands and more fascinating <laughs> than some of the bands that have come out of it and the various waves and sections of waves are all and and the kind of influence that the people in these scenes have had on each other and the kind of out the, the bands that didn't exist within those scenes that have had kind of a this unrivaled influence on emo such as Weezer, which you know Pinkerton is is like the album that however many young young admirers count as like a you know like a um, foundational album and that's not to say it isn't that just Weezer wasn't a band that, that ever was part of emo in the same way as, you know, Rites of Spring was. <laughs> yeah, we're probably going to do a podcast about Weezer, let's be real. Okay. <laughs> pork and beans? You're just going to talk about pork and beans? <laughs> um, no, I was going to talk about Beverly Hills for two hours. Oh, nice. Yeah, classic. Classic song. Don't, don't, sh- don't, it's good. don't. Sh- it's good. There's a new Charlie XCX song that she wanted to sound like Beverly Hills, and it's amazing. Anyway. Oh. Um, hold on, my cat's trying to get up here. Come here. Uh, okay, yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's, that's a good definition. I knew you'd have a crazy, like, definition. Um, yeah, no, I do think it is interesting because it's like, I mean, what are music genres, right? Like, they're kind of very arbitrary and a little stupid. Um, or I think they're often usually based on, like, history and context and less about, like, what the music actually sounds like. Um... But I do find it very interesting, like, that the different kind of types of emo and the way it's, like, morphed and changed over time, like, that two bands that are considered emo could sound so, like, very basically different from each other, but people still, like, see them as emo. I do find that, like, very interesting. That's, um, it's super fascinating. And it's, and it's interesting, even with the people that I disagree with, finding out the, the ways that they kind of interpret it and the even like the, the pretzel logic that is is yeah. provided for the reasons why somebody thinks that you know, or says or yeah, yeah can perfectly argue why uh, you know a specific band is emo and why one isn't um, mm-hmm. and and kind of the way that that has that the term has mutated and and just changed dramatically over the years but still mm-hmm. retains this kind of, of sense of of what it has been at the various intersections of its history mm-hmm yeah. Yeah. So I do know that, um, for me, it's like the idea also that the music has to be <laughs> focused on the emotional in some way. Although like, what does that actually mean? Who knows? I mean, there's been at least, at least, uh, in every wave and every emo band, like people will articulately say that music is inherently emotional and it is. And unless there's music that is strictly made with no emotions in mind, of course, it's going to be... Craftwork! <laughs> no, but craftwork is... Ah, uh, okay, I'm kidding. Yeah. We're not getting into craftwork. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind <laughs> of a, a, it's a... It's a really strange uh, thing to, to name a, a specific style of music. It's mm-hmm. more emotional than any other kind of 
hardcore right. itself was, I mean, the kind of bile and anger and hatred that uh, that that can be fit into, you know, like a 60-second song is really, yeah. really amazing. But. Well, how, yeah, well, how do you, well, so when I talk to other people about this, they kind of say, I don't know if I agree or disagree. I think I, I'm more skewing towards the agree, but, like, the idea that emo music more often deals with, like, the darker or sadder range of emotions in I general. totally disagree. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I think that's that's kind of the, the cliched idea of, of what emo... Of, 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 it's a cliched idea. That's, that's sort of what, you know, emo took the form of in the 2000s when it became super popular. When I mean, it, but when, that's still that's still emo, though. It's still emo, but I don't think it's definitively that. I think it, it, at a, a point in time it became definitely darker, you know, kind of histrionically sad. But uh, I, I, some of my favorite emo songs are inherently happy and uplifting, and, no. some, and some of the great ones are also, like, Do have this, mean... this weird combination of uplift and, and wistfulness and even depression in there, like that whole Hotelier record. My God, those songs are huge. They sound huge and they feel huge. But the entire time, Christian is just like, you know, really letting his demons out about his friend's suicide yeah, and yeah, just yeah. like everything bad. That I call them sick to your funeral. I know. I saw them live. They're fantastic. Live. They are. They're, they're really that good. Album is fantastic. Plugging Hotelier. That album is really good. Yeah. <laughs> But the you know that's the they they kind of exemplify the things some of the things that I really love about about what can be done with this style of music. Well, yeah, are you, are you talking musically or lyric? Because I was literally just talking lyrically. I didn't mean music. I think both. I mean, it, it, you know, this isn't. It's it's hard to separate in any kind of music lyrics from the from the from the music and from the way that they're delivered. And his delivery is especially so powerful. And, and does have this, like, twinge of uplift to it that doesn't, I, I, it's not that it doesn't jive with the lyrics, it, it certainly does, but the, there's there's a way that you say something and, and <laughs> in writing it, it can take a totally different shape. That's, I mean, think about the first time that emails were, that, like, email was uh, <laughs> a thing that people had, and, and the, you know, kind of having to figure out what a, a one sentence email meant like was that person like being sincere in what they were saying were they you know like were, well people was, no one knows still yeah yeah and no one knows still and and there you know there's so many layers to it and i don't think that's unique to to an emo band i don't <laughs> uh but the the great ones play with you know i guess the whole <coughs> their uh, in their palette I think you're just being devil's advocate. It's fine. I'm going to say emotional a whole lot in this. Yeah, obviously. I'm sorry. Yeah, whatever. I actually do. We do talk about, I think in actually both both the other podcasts I recorded, we do talk about um, how like the juxtaposition of like very bright, uplifting music with very um, not necessarily bright or uplifting vocals. And I think that that's one of the things that's part of like some of the emo bands I love the most, like are very good at doing that. Right. So. I personally like that. Yeah, and I mean, like, look at look at Davy Von Bolen, uh, the right. the second Promise Ring album. Yeah, that's exactly what it feels yeah, yeah. good. And there's just the, there's so many ways you can read that, uh, and and the music is you know 
it's not going to change. The recording isn't going to change no matter how many times you play it, but your interpretation of it will can change from, you know, one minute to the next. And, and that mm-hmm. title especially, that he's a smart dude. That whole, <laughs> Those guys are, 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 like, really understood what, what they were doing. We were obsessed with Promise Ring, FYI, yeah, guys. Promise Ring is great. Also, we Maritime is fantastic. Maritime, they played in our castle. Yeah, we did bring them to... <laughs> To yeah. our castle. No, Promise Ring's amazing. Totally, totally agree. I love Promise Ring so much. We're probably going to do a Promise Ring one at some point. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah. So, okay. So I guess this is... And I don't want to know necessarily, like, like I told him earlier, like, facts on facts, because Leora's a facts person. But um, where and how and when did you, like, first hear emo? Right. And how did you feel about it? How has that changed over time? Because now, because you're very, like, academic about it, right? Um, um, I can't, I, I feel like uh, in the years since graduating college, I've had to strip out a lot of the academic, academic quality of my approach at times. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm a, journal, I'm a journalist. There's <laughs> just I'm a journalist, I'm, damn it. Yes. I'm a journalist, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the first kind of the first time, I don't, I, I can't tell you the first time I heard it, but growing up in, because he's old. Yeah. Growing up in the DC area, it was like, you know, it started in DC. It was a thing that I, I would he, like hear of and, and read about. And I can't tell you definitively, this is the first article I read that is about, you know, emo. But I do remember around the time that dashboard broke out Yep, and just kind of seeing the people around me who were listening to it who didn't seem at all interested in, in punk music and I hate to make that uh, a sweeping generalization about just people that I wasn't particularly friendly with but uh, it didn't it didn't seem to jibe with what little I knew of, of about emo at the time and what you know what I knew about the punk scene mm-hmm. in DC and kind of the history of punk and that um, I think kind of my curiosity of what that was inspired me to, to, to dig deeper and here I am <laughs> but yeah um, so yeah Dashboard was kind of a weird tipping point that I didn't necessarily expect and that I didn't exactly like for a very long time mm-hmm. no so, offense to Chris I just yeah right. oh what dude fucking fuck Chris Caraba man sorry I don't know I've heard some I, I heard an interview he did recently and he sounded he, he, he never struck me as a non not generous or genuine person i i was a teenager at the time and like you know i had these very i I hate to to say that my my feelings were somehow uh insufficient or just like not (laughs) i'm I'm not trying to talk down what i felt at the time but i reacted from the gut really quickly in a lot of scenarios and i you were an adolescent yes yeah i was an adolescent (laughs) yeah i judged him based on the people who I saw. Mm, like, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I mean, like, you know, it's a, I'm sure had I been a teenager when Nine Inch Nail, when like alternative rock broke out and never, whatever you want to call it in the early nineties. And, and uh, Trent Reznor was talking about like seeing the people in the crowd at his shows and being like, these are the guys that beat me up in, <laughs> yep. in high school. It's, yeah. you know, this isn't a, a new thing. It wasn't a new thing when we were adolescents, but it, you know, but I, I like to think that I, I took kind of a, a I, I re 
my feelings and, and kind of built on and, and like went down my mm-hmm. road of, of curiosity and yeah. kept, kept digging. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do think, I feel like everyone that I've asked has had a similar story, actually, kind of like, because when, like, when I first, it's like, when you first hear it, it's like the more, yeah, like, dashboard type of, and you, it's like this kind of visceral reaction of, it's almost like, how did my friend describe it? It's almost like the mall, pe- like, the Hot Topic people, almost, in that way, like, right. the mall goth, or, like, whatever, just, like, these very, 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 like, broad generalizations, like, almost right. caricatures of people, or, Which- you know. Yeah. yeah. Like MySpace right. and shit, which I totally yeah. into MySpace, so that's fine. You know, I've been a hot topic. I never bought anything remotely related to the, you know, like what people consider the third wave emo. They have, but look, that, that place is a, is like a best buy for that kind of culture. Yeah. It's everywhere. So, <laughs> like, it's, I bought it's, my hair dye there. Whatever. Huh? <laughs> I bought my hair dye there. Yeah. I mean, they have, you know, what's that uh, MC Lars song where uh, it, Hot Topics mm. is not punk rock? Where he just lists off the things that aren't punk rock and then gets a Discord back catalog and okay, maybe that's punk rock. That sounds <laughs> That's a great song, but I just ruined the or I mean it's a funny song, but I, I just kinda like just ruined it for everyone. Ruined it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and look, even even with like the newer with like the fourth wave bands, uh Hot Topic was like Yeah, wait, so okay, here about how about let's let's start with so Okay. Yeah, for okay, so what do you consider fourth wave? Like, uh, about 2007, 2008 <laughs> to, to the present. Bless you. Thank you. Does that... Bless you. And, like, specifically starting with... It's specifically, like, germinating out of the underground. Um, out of underground punk scenes. You know, labels and bands that did not have have nearly the kind of presence or infrastructure that they do now. Um, you know, bands that are now, like, Title Fight is on anti right now. They didn't start out like mm, Okay, so you're okay, okay. So you consider Title Fight like a fourth wave emo band? Oh yeah, yeah. And, okay. and again, that's a band that, that kind of challenges the conventions of what it, an emo band right. of this era and of this kind of place should sound like because the overwhelming like uh, um, idea is is that and, and, and you know, the overwhelming sense is that it's all midwestern, kind of inspired by the right. Midwestern second wave sound of right, the nineties. Right. And that's you know, that's certainly true. There are a lot of bands that are inspired by that specific sound, but there are other bands that are challenging those ideas. And Title Fight went Title Fight. Title Fight went full shoegaze on on the new album. I know. Yes, it's, it's very exciting to see a band really challenge their their own boundaries and hopefully kind of inspire more people to yeah. to find their own way. Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't care about Title Fight that much. Until I heard the newest album. So. The newest album is great. No, I know, uh, I know. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so this is so it's just based on time, not based on sound. It's. I mean, they, there's. They're like. It's as much a scene as it is a sound. You know what I mean? They, there's. Well, yeah, it's hard yeah. to 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 fully break those two apart because you wouldn't have such a dramatic influence of like these bands influencing each other. This way, I mean, Algernon Cadwallader is a band that you know went defunct before the current wave came anywhere close to to what you can consider mainstream popularity or its current place. But they influenced so many other bands in a way that mm-hmm. they, you know, like Cap and Jazz, is nearly as influential. They sound a lot like Cap and Jazz, and they got that you know thrown at them a lot and still oh. do. But I, 
think they were much more of an influence on the younger bands than Cap and Jazz because you can go see them. Like it's it, they toured with some great Philly bands, right? That were, that were all doing you know or Philly or Pennsylvania bands that didn't necessarily sound alike. Like 1994 mm-hmm. is a band that I think is really fantastic, and they are going in really weird directions. That I mean, I say they're going. Who knows? One of the you know the drummer lives in Europe now. It's it's I think it's hard for them to be a band, but they recorded their last album with like a. Sh- what they say is a shitty mic and an iPhone, and it's very experimental. It, it sounds totally left of field um, in a way that no other band sounds quite like them. But there, there are elements of their songs that feel at home, you know, alongside a Snowing or Alphon Cadillac, those mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know kind of late aughts bands, many of whom have since broken up, but you know, inspired more bands of this wave. Right. So there are, the, you know, there are line- it's a lineage and you can see the way that like different branches break off and, and if this were a tree, it would be one gnarly really looking tree that, the, you know, some of the branches <laughs> wouldn't be able to, would be bigger than the trunk. It's a, uh, it's a really, again, it's a fascinating thing to, to kind of look at even if some of the bands aren't as, <laughs> aren't necessarily as, as great as ones that, that are, getting remembered most of the time but yeah. they contribute in some way and okay. they they can push other groups out in, in other ways yeah. you know the, the community aspect is not unique to emo and i think that overplaying one or the other sound or community is a disservice to the kind of the the i, I hate to say synergy because <laughs> such corporate talk Jack but, Donaghy, but the, yeah. the ways the kind of the balance there that, that you have when a, a sound is so integral to the group of people who kind of bounce ideas around whether they're just whether they're musicians or people just go to shows constantly and just show up and say I like this that's important that's important for a band to for musicians to kind of figure out what they're doing and, and feel like they are on the right track or feel like they need to change something right. Okay, so for a band, for example, and this is what I feel like. Okay, so for like a band like Title Fight, like do they do they identify as emo? Um, <laughs> man, which uh, I think it was one of the guys in La Dispute who came up with the term the wave, which is you know, <laughs> and and was using using the uh, you know talking about his band as a post hardcore band. Um, post hardcore is obviously the preferred term. I. <laughs> Haven't yeah. sat down with any of the guys in Title Fight and said, "Oh, hey, so emo." So I can't tell you off the top of my head right now that, that they're like, "Yeah, we're emo." A lot of other bands in the scene are totally cool with the with right. the term, and I think that that is an interesting, uh, you know, new wrinkle mm-hmm. in 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 kind of the history because for years most bands didn't you know, couldn't get away from couldn't get further away from the emo tag, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, first, yeah. second, third, like the, hated, hated that. Right. And I think, yeah, and it was in the Fall Out Boy one, we talked about that a lot. Like, um, why, like, there's such a backlash to the idea of emo, or like emo bands, especially like the more mainstream ones, I guess I would say. Like, sure. Like, and why do people hate the idea of emo so much? Sure. And every, it's, it's partially has to do with interpretation or kind of the failure to agree with <laughs> with other people. And there's always going to be a sticking point that leaves people to argue less about, like, what they like about the music and just, like, argue over fine-tuned points. Again, not unique to this style or scene, but right now the thing that people argue about is the revival, the 
the term emo revival mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and whether or not that is correct and accurate and are we you know is this a revival what does that mean and it's yeah. like why are we being called this it's a dumb term and you know good like let <laughs> you know bands can say whatever they want the the reason that i use it when i do use it is just to kind of you know suggest that oh here is uh like an just like a mass of bands that didn't exist in, in kind of the same shape and scope and, and influence mm-hmm. and popularity before that is clearly indebted to a style of music that happened that, you know, that kind of dovetailed after a while that, you know, in this case, it's the second wave. It's, it's, you know, kind of the nineties sounds There are always going to be bands that are interested in, you know, musicians who are interested in a, like you could call it obscure. You could call it, a, I mean, this is just going to start arguments about not this particularly, but I see every week there's like another, Oh, revival that suggests that something dead and music mm-hmm. can't die. A genre can't die. But you know, if it falls out of favor in any, any terms, there's going to be a lot of backlash. There's going to be people who don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. And there's yeah. going to be one or two musicians who have an interest in it and will do their thing with it. I mean, how many people are interested in, in, in like hair metal right now? <laughs> there Not are enough. there are bars that, that play to hair metal like yeah. like there are always going to be fans of something if it was popular it yeah. may not be popular to the majority of society or to a larger portion of society but it is still going to remain with the people who like it right that said you know kind of the history of pop culture and kind of the shape of of pop culture as it exists now and, and the zeitgeist or whatever the hell you want to call it mm-hmm. doesn't skew towards the uh you know doesn't skew to towards the niche this is it's pop culture is not a niche culture it exists on a on a massive scale right and things die on that scale and i i'm going on a huge tangent but that's kind of what what people argue about is oh did it fall out of favor and and kind of the elephant in the room with all this is the third wave is what happened in the odds with you know Again, bands that didn't necessarily sound alike, Fall Out Boy does not sound like Dashboard, does not sound by my chem, but they all exist within the same right, yeah. kind of perspective. And they all added and tr- changed and transformed the idea of, of what people consider emo. Yeah. And they, regardless of whether or not I like it, I do like, you know, I do like Fall Out Boy, I do like my chem, I, you know, I started liking some Dashboard songs, but yeah. they, they are as much a reason that as much as they made it popular in the two thousands, they also helped kind of bring it down. <laughs> like, no, exactly. Yeah. They, were, they contributed to its downward slope and they contributed right. to the reason why people in the two thousands were so anxious and, and, you know, quick yeah. to get away from. Right. It. Right. 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 And yeah. And I was talking about that in the follow up. I went obviously, cause it's like, why was there such a backlash? Like, is it the idea of like authenticity or like the idea that because it was like, I don't know, like on the radio or I don't know, like if it was watered down, like whatever. I mean, I think all those argu- ar- arguments are pretty bullshit. So like, I'm not gonna, I don't want to get into them, but like, I was thinking about like why there's just a gut reaction to dislike that yeah. er- like era of, you yeah, it's, I agree. It's bullshit, but it's also, you, you can't ignore that if you're trying to, to create like a, a comprehensive history and understand why the term revival is is a hot button topic right right, right. right. Why it is it is kind of like the, the 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 point of arguments it can be silly but there's also yeah. it explains why people react a certain way and why emo is considered largely like dead when a lot of the main plot 
bands were breaking up and, and yeah. kind of their charting positions were, were falling down and they weren't exactly in favor in the eyes of the public. Granted, Fall Out Boy got back together and they recently, you know, the, their past two reunion albums have scored, you know, number one on Billboard. Yeah. They are a, a, a band that, that has outgrown the, you know, the long outgrew the scene that, that it was a part of and that it kind of influenced in that way. But the yeah. the rest of the, you know the rest of that scene is kind of in weird shambles. How many how many versions of Take Me Back Sunday are there right now? <laughs> like how many times does the band get the original lineup for you know second album is getting back together? And, oh my god! And oh. Adam, you know Adam from that band recently did an interview with MTV where he said, "There's no revival. I've been working this whole time as if like <laughs> his, his position as a screamo singer in the 2000s had something to do with you know the <laughs> with." The, he is the be-all, end-all of emo. I mean, to be fair, that type of emo is the one that I liked the most. Like, you know, Long Island emo, because I was a Long Island emo yeah. girl at a point. So, whatever. Can't can't undersell Taking Back Sunday's uh, first two albums. So, whatever. <laughs> but, the, wait. The rest, the rest is... Oof. No, I know. Mediocre, mediocre. Wait, wait. Also, I forgot to say why I hate Chris Crabba, because I have a story. Um... So, okay, so this is why I don't like him, because, and I actually, I have listened lately to a few Dashboard songs very often, so whatever, take take that what you will, but, um, okay. so, like, at a brand new show, I went to a brand new show, I was in ninth grade, it was the first time I was seeing them, so this was, I think, ninth grade, it was, like, 03, so Devil and God wasn't out yet, I don't, th- right? It was, I think, actually, I think yeah, this Devil was Devil and God this came was, out in 2007, Yeah, yeah. Six. It was the end of my yeah. high school. So yeah. So so this was like after Dejan Tandu, and it was like that. So therefore, I was the biggest brand new fan. I know you don't care about that album, but anyway, that was a very important album to me. Um, and I saw them live, and fucking Chris Caraba like put on some sort of mask and like came out when brand new was on and sang like three songs or something instead of brand new. Like he like took over Jesse's lyrics, and I was pissed i was like that's kind of awesome no shut the fuck up it was not awesome dude it was horrible i was so mad i was like who's this asshole in a mask and then he took it off and i was like of course it's chris fucking caraba like that was at a point where i hated dashboard and i hated chris caraba and i was like you're ruining this brand new show for me this is the worst thing ever this is why everyone hates you so i have a lot of very visceral strong feelings about chris caraba i'm sorry everyone although screaming infidelity is is amazing it's fine vindicated But that's, that's you know, that's clearly was something that brand new wanted to do. I'm not, to, you know, saying that your your feelings. Well, are my 14 year old self I, didn't like, give I think a that's shit. Kind of awesome. Like I saw, I saw brand new in London after. Don't Double invalidate Jack my feelings. Huh? Don't invalidate my feelings. Fuck you. No, you validate your feelings. Your feelings are validated. That makes me think that brand new and, and Chris are, are like even better than I thought before because they're not, you know, they're doing their own thing in a way that doesn't necessarily jive with how they're what their fans want them to do. No, it definitely did not. It did not. Yeah. That's what I like, but that's what I like about brand new is that they, you know, they've they've definitely done their own thing. And that's a band that, that just totally changed shape. Yeah. In a decade's time. Yeah. 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 Totally totally. abandoned the the thing that made them popular, but it's still within the, you know, the confines of their own voice. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I enjoy their growth as a band. I think actually comparing, cause you know, when I was in ninth grade, Taking Back Sunday versus Brand New, that was, like, the biggest thing ever in my school, in all schools across Long Island, probably. And yes. uh, Mike Zipper singing, not swinging. And it's interesting how those two bands, like, d- 
differed, especially over time. Because I always liked Brand New a little bit better. And then I was like, yeah, they're growth. Like, I think they're doing really well as a band. And then Taking Back Sunday, I was like, they're trying to make the same album, like, over and over. And at a point, it was like, you can't do that anymore. Like, that's not going to work. No one, I don't know. So I felt like I was on the right side of that fight. And I still think that. <laughs> as much as I love Taking Back Sunday, like, I think they're kind of stagnant and weird now. So... Are you reading emails? I hate you so much. No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I'm listening. I can't tell. Um, oh, wait. And sorry. To go back to before you were fucking rambling. Um, Thank you. So one of my favorite newer email bands is Joyce Manor. Um, and my friend Johnny, who I recorded the Fall Out Boy podcast with, was wearing a Joyce Manor sweatshirt. And then I think we were talking about newer emo bands, and I was like, oh yeah, he's wearing a Joyce Manor sweatshirt, da-da-da. And he was like, they're emo? Like, I don't consider them emo, da-da-da. And I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, I feel like almost the epitome of emo right now. Like, at least like in the the bands I listen to, like, it's a very much a... What was, that, what was that thing one of the guys posted on Twitter, none of your emo revival pizza stage dive bullshit? <laughs> Like after after somebody after they wait was that a Joyce was that Joyce Manor? Yeah. Oh wait, the whole stage dive thing. Yeah, yeah. They called it like none of that emo rival pizza stage stage dive bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. I think Joyce Manor is definitely kind of on the on the um, uh, periphery, if that makes sense. See, okay, I feel like they're a hundred percent. Like that is, I feel like so many bands I listen to, like at least the like Midwestern emo that I listen to now, I feel like all it's like that. I don't even know if they're Midwestern. That's not the point. But no, they're from California. Well, whatever. I don't know. It just sounds very much to me like what I think of when I think of emo music right now. I don't know why. Okay. That, maybe I thought I had a better reason. I don't. No, I'm just curious. I'm curious. Go on. No, I don't know what else to say about it. I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was saying that I that I that I still find it's inter- it's interesting that they're on this playlist that I have that is uh, Jackie and I made a modern emo playlist. And it's, you know, it's whatever. It's like, Joyce Manor's on it, though. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to... Dads, Intuit Over It, Pity. Pity Sex is also very different. Not their sound. Pity Sex is super shoegaze. Oh my god, Dowsing, fucking amazing. Um, Joie de Vivre. They all sound different, but like... But... Yeah. They're all somehow... But they're also part of like this this web of a scene that... Right, they're on the same playlist. I think they're... I think that... That in particular is a band with one foot firmly planted outside of the emo scene, but also has has kind of an influence and, and relationship to the the scene in, in part. Not nearly as strongly as Dowsing or some of the other groups, but right, again, right. it's a very kind of fluid, weird thing to to approach. Yeah, yeah. I just think yeah. So I I feel like so. Growing up in the Northeast, I had like a very specific view of. Not a very specific view. Like I, like I understood there were different kinds, but I think I was very much entrenched in like the New Jersey, Long Island emo, and uh, and I liked Midwestern emo, but I wasn't in it. So I, I most of the Midwestern emo I listened to is more like kind of from the '90s or like not from recently. And then since moving here, because I live in Michigan, FYI. Uh, what now? <laughs> this is for the podcast, not for you. Even though, thanks for not visiting me, asshole. Lear lives in Chicago. He's never just gonna get, when you edit so this, rude. are you going to put in more curse words? Maybe. This podcast, I'm going to do spoiler alert. This is full of curses. Sorry. Not sorry. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Hide your wife. Um, no, but so I guess like also since so upon moving here, so my first thing to do is I went to a lot of like local shows and kind of tried to understand the local scene 
And um, and this is Michigan. This is like very small, like Lansing, Michigan. And there is actually a very tight community here. And it's not necessarily like I wouldn't like label the whole thing as like an emo community, but I do think like the it's like punk slash emo slash like just like a general kind of like I'll say a Joyce Manor esque kind of sound to a lot of the bands. Um, yeah, two girls is there. Okay, I'm gonna cut that out. Anyway. <laughs> Um, but it is interesting to sort of like understand how a small like Midwestern community works like a music community and I think it's really like I feel like a lot of the bands they all play like with each other like throughout the state and like they often usually don't travel outside the state like occasionally they will but it's like this very specific community and I think it's very interesting and that's where I think that sound comes from like like all like dowsing and those kinds of bands that play like you know a few blocks away from me at like the local like dive bar thing that all the bands play at like it all sounds like this kind of very specific sound to me. Um, and for some reason, Joyce Manor sonically fits into that, okay. whether or not it's... they see themselves as that. But Okay, I can sort of see that. Um, and there, I mean, there definitely is, is like a, a similarity with a lot of those bands and, and kind of like room for different interpretations within that. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. look at Keith and Kathy with uh, Empire Empire and, them too, yeah, them too. That is, uh, they, they are far more kind of in line with the, uh, like mid, like nine with mineral. Yeah, which, exactly. You know, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, there are a few bands that sound, that, that are doing what they're doing, but they also have this tremendous influence on, on the scene now, simply not only with their band, but with Kanye Lucky Stars, they released so many of these. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, had no other outlet. Yeah. No, I think that's, yeah, and especially... And I think that's really cool that the idea of like kind of um, supporting your own, even if it's not necessarily sonically exactly similar to you, but like the idea that it's like your community, it's your, like, like, like I saw Empire Empire a bunch of times and like I saw them in Flint, I saw them in Lansing actually, they played in the basement and, um, and like the bands that are on those bills consistently maybe don't necessarily sound like Empire Empire, right? Like, but again, like it's a similar community and they all kind of clearly like support each other and care a lot about each other. Um, and into it over it would be a similar, I guess, because they've played together too. Yeah, but but they um, don't all sound alike, which is what no, exactly. Is, that is so important to the health. Of, right, right, yeah. Of, like of any scene is like the you know once you have mimics, like what are you? And it, if it's all mim- mimics, what are you doing? Right, like, right. How are like, you? Yeah. How are you growing? How? What are you contributing? No, I think there's it's nothing, awesome. There's nothing wrong with sounding like another group, but if. if there's, there's something a little off when you aren't, like, I mean, adding anything. Yeah. No, I think it's, no, I like, that's, that's why I think it's so great. Like, I think that, like, the fact that Empire Empire can play a house show with, like, bands that sound literally nothing like that, like, I think that's fucking awesome. And, like, this, yeah. and, like the people are as enthusiastic about Empire Empire as they are about whatever other band is playing before or after them. But I, I wonder, I don't know, like, in terms of this scene, like, I know that a lot of my friends' bands do, like, kind of identify as emo, but, like, I don't know if, like, when I go to, like, a show at Max, which is, like, the local venue, like, if it, that people see that as, like, an emo show. Like, I don't know about, if like, that part of it. Um, but to me, that's what it seems like. Like, that's what I would say about it. But I don't know. Um, I don't know. I've never seen a show there. Come to Max. It's our place. Your place? Yeah, dude. That's where I saw um, City on Film, Bob Nana. Oh, that's awesome. No, like any like any legitimate like band goes to Max. That's like where they go right. in Lansing. Well, I can't imagine that it's only emo bands that are playing in Lansing. No, there's a big metal scene there too. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> this isn't a metal podcast, Lior. Ugh. You're such a dick. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. Back to... I'm going to answer my own question about when I first heard emo, because I don't even remember. Okay, yeah, um, when did you first hear emo? Because mine's... Your first, your first memory of... <laughs> yeah, because yours are so, like... You're, like, mine are so, going to be like, I was crying about, like, boys. Because um, it's emo, duh. <laughs> um, okay, I do remember... Um, I think I heard the term in seventh grade. Uh, that was when I got my first Zanga and Live Journal... And I think it's the seventh grade. I talk about this in every podcast, I think, was mm-hmm. when I discovered, I tried to listen to, like, quote-unquote punk. Like, that was, like, when I tried to get into it. Like, what specifically? Right. So I think my friend sent me, like, an MXPX song or something, right? And then I would, like, go to Hot Topic and be like, oh, like, these bands. So I'd listen to, try to listen to, like, the Sex Pistols or, like, the Ramones and shit like that. Um... And then I remember that was, like, the time when... But it wasn't really... Like, emo was, like... Like, the scene, it was literally called, like, scene. Like, having, like, scene hair. Or, like, scene this or scene that. Like, that's, like, what it was called. So, like, that was very, like, a MySpace thing, right? Because we also had a MySpace. So, the idea that, like, these kids may be called emo kids, but I think they are called scene kids. Um, And I was, like, interested in sort of what they were listening to, just, like, generally. I was, like, what are these people listening to? that have this very specific look and community. And I don't know, I guess the first, I probably heard, probably heard Dashboard pretty early, probably in seventh grade, at the very least eighth grade. Um, I started to get into Blink-182 and Green Day, and therefore pop punk was kind of like a little bit of a gateway into like pop punk slash closer to emo. So like heard Fall Out Boy in eighth grade. Got Take This to Your Grave in eighth grade. Um... And I heard, what did I hear, like, North Star and some other, like, very, like, random songs from okay. that emo, from, like, that kind of, what would be, like, third wave or whatever? Yeah. I don't know, waves, but, um, yeah, so it was, like, very specific, and then I, and then I got into, like, Brand New and Taking Back Sunday or whatever, but it was, like, a transition from, like, kind of pop punk to that, I guess, um. That makes sense. I mean, given given the time and, and right. what was happening with emo in the mainstream. And then I was, like, sad about my 8th grade boyfriend, so, like... Who was your 8th grade boyfriend? Um, Why have we not talked about this? <laughs> I literally talk about this in every podcast. I hope he doesn't listen to this, because this is this very is, this embarrassing. This is my first podcast with you, so you're I know. This will be the first with... Well, every, that everyone will hear. Um, well, I was in 8th grade. He was in 7th grade. Whoa, I know. Robert. I know. Oh, shit. I said that in the other, another podcast. <laughs> Some people are going to hear that again. Um, and, yeah. Edit, edit it all out. Totally. Yeah, I will. And he was a BMX kid. And he... Actually, this is, inter- this is an interesting story. Um, I haven't told this yet. So he was like... He also... He actually introduced me to Ted Leo, too. He sent me a Ted Leo song. Um, so Which thank Ted you, Leo song? John. What? What Ted Leo song? Yeah. Where Have All the Rude Boys Gone? Nice. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe he sent me one of the first Dev Cab songs I've heard. Maybe. It's unclear. Um, and that was obviously really important to me. Uh, okay, so he, like, st- st- not stalked me, but you know how, like, whatever, fucked up relationship stuff, middle school and high school. Like, he was, like, overly persistent. Like, would I am me every day? Like, 
Oh, yeah, like bothering me and like have all this stuff on his profile about me. And I was like, who are you? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I know. Okay, no, it's yeah. like, it's like red flags, red flags. I was in yeah. eighth grade. Um, but, oh, also he burned the blue album, the blue album for me, Weezer. He was a big for Weezer a second, fan. Uh, when you said he burned, I was <laughs> a little concerned. <laughs> no, no worries. Very concerned. No worries. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm well adjusted. It was fine. Um, but yeah, so he got me into Weezer as well. So I guess he was a pretty important part of my, like, emo, whatever, discovery, I guess. Um, but anyway, so before we dated, um, so there's actually, okay, so there's a song called Jamie, and it's by Dash, no, 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 by Weezer, it's by Weezer. It's like a, it was on some rarities album or some sort. Um, also, it's a, it's not a good, well, it's actually, it's a fine song. Um... It's on an album called DCG Rarities. I don't know what that means. I obviously I don't. It, I, I think it's uh, the enough Geffen. Fine. Um, yeah. Okay, not the point. The point is that, so, um, there was this Weezer song, and then Dashboard covered it. Dashboard covered the song named Jamie. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and I hadn't heard it before, but on his profile before we dated, he had a bunch of lines, and I didn't know where they were from, and this was before, like, Google was really a thing. I guess, I mean, it was probably a thing, but I just didn't think to, like, look up those lyrics, right? Right. So it was, um... There was no genius. There was no genius, right? So it was like, you are the most, you're so rad, you're so fresh, and you're so fine, whatever. I'm yours, you are mine, showing me where, and I will sign. Something like that. Um, and I didn't think anything of it. Like, I was like, oh, weird lyrics, and this is before we dated. And then, when he finally... You, you dated him after this. Yes. Yes, okay. and then when he quote unquote won me over or whatever it was, and then I was like, "Fine, we can date," which meant literally nothing. Um, I finally, I think he sent me the song, like he sent me the song Jamie, and then I listened to it, and I was like, "Holy shit, you had those lyrics on your profile like two months ago!" And he's like, "Yeah, I liked you this whole time." Da da da, and I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> so good times with that. So when are you guys getting back together? <laughs> oh my god! He dropped out of school. I think he um, has mental issues. I'm not sure. So basically, very soon we're gonna get back together real soon. Yes, that's good. Yeah. So anyway, that's like a fun story that I haven't told yet. Um, well, creepy... I'm glad I get to be the one to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Creepy emo lyrics on profiles in eighth grade. So cool. You okay there? No, I'm <laughs> I'm fine. I just don't like the glare that my glasses. See, no one's gonna be able to watch our, our dumb expressions uh, when they hear this. How would but, you describe my? How would you describe I mean, my? Not, not dumb, but but like <laughs> just kind of like exasperatedly, you know, wiped your face and and kind of lean back in, in this way. It's just like, what am I doing? <laughs> I mean, life is hard. Thinking about past relationships is annoying. It's also necessary and fine, but... And what's the name of this guy? I'm gonna, I'm gonna look him up. No. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Oh my God. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Anyway, oh my God, this is getting way too long. This is already 50 minutes. I need to cut some Yeah, we out. should wrap it up, maybe? Well, okay. You have to go on these tangents about God knows what. Um, okay. Yeah, sure the love of your life. <laughs> Whatever. It's fun to listen to. Um, yeah, so that was my introduction to emo, and then I think I listen to more emo now than I ever have in my life. So, fun fact. 
Okay, so I guess okay, so I guess the question I always ask at the end is, um, what would you? And don't, don't make this long, okay? Make it short. Okay. <laughs> don't look so offended. You're, go ahead. You're long-winded. Um, what would you say to someone to convince them to listen to emo if they were like, you know, kind of inherently just like resistant to the idea of listening to emo? I would ask them why they were. In- <laughs> no, that. Because usually it's, again, with a lot of our conversations have been how the, you know, the term has changed, how it's mutated, how, yeah. how your perspective on things and how kind of cultural perspectives on things transform, you know, continue to transform emo uh-huh. and, and how people interpret it. Uh-huh. And a lot of people interpret it differently. Right. And if somebody has a knee-jerk reaction to it, I'm curious to know why. Mm-hmm. Because inevitably there's going to be something that might actually interest them. Right. That is related to emo. I, I kind of. I, I don't want to say that's universal. That's not something that, I, you know, no. a lot of people have such a strong gut reaction to it that that is. I never want to ever hear anything about this. Mm-hmm. But you can find something that they might like about it. You can find a song they might like. You can, you know, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. Uh, show yeah. them if if you have an understanding of what their taste is like, or they tell you what they're interested in. You can probably dig up something that, that that's true will appeal to them. Uh, it's it's usually just amount, uh, amounts to how open the other person is mm-hmm right so there you go yeah that's a good answer I think that's a good answer normally it's about a specific album so then you could be like it's a great album you guys you suck listen to it um, I mean I, I have the uh, you know kind of the <laughs> because because I'm so open about how much I like it and because I've written about so many bands that not everyone's going to agree on every band. Right. It's very easy for somebody to go, nope, I just, I'm not interested. You're, you're the one telling me this. You obviously like it. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the challenge that I face. It's like, oh, I'm the, I'm to you, I'm the emo guy and therefore any recommendation I have is going to be bad because you are the emo guy. I don't know. It's true. You are. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I do. I agree though. I think that Right, like, there are so many different, like, e- like emo is sonically different, like, there are so many different, co- like, kinds and stuff that I think it's kind of stupid of someone to be like, I hate that whole genre. Like, I think it doesn't make sense. Um, so I agree. I think that's a good, that's a good end point that, like, people, like, you could probably find something that someone would like. It's been around for 30 years almost. Like, there's gonna be something. If you, if you don't have a total distaste for guitar-based music, and there are people that do, and that's fine. Right. Uh, there's probably going to be something that you like. Anything you want to plug? I have an oral history of Jawbreaker's 24-hour revenge therapy, uh, which kind of starts at Bivouac and ends with them signing to Geffen, uh, mm-hmm. coming out in the next issue of the Pitchfork Review. That's super exciting. So yeah. So relevant and exciting. Uh, I... The, the first draft was like 35,000 words, and it's had to be cut down because that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> I told you, you're long-winded. Thanks, yeah, <laughs> except it's an oral history, so there's very little of my own writing in there. <laughs> it's all, uh, I talked to like 25 people, so um, there's a lot of a lot of great stuff in there. But yeah, that's uh, it should be coming out pretty that's soon. Cool. That's really cool. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm always, always writing, so read my stuff at the 
Chicago Reader um, and elsewhere. Yeah, right. wait, what's what's your, the one you write every week? Gossip Wolf? I co-write Gossip Wolf with my buddy J.R. Nelson. Um, uh, we are actually having a five-year anniversary DJ night coming up on the 22nd of February. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If anyone's yeah. in Chicago. This might not be out by then, but okay. Oh. <laughs> it's unclear. All the shit I have to edit out of it. You gotta cut that part out, add in curses. No, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna add more curses. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I want this to be as, as inaccessible as possible. Fucking so. awesome. <laughs> oh my god, was that your first curse? So Fuck bad. yeah. <laughs> anyway, Fuck um, yeah. so... The way how I typically like to end it is I force the other people to say stupid catchphrases because I never know how to end these. Oh, no, no, I, wait, no, I forgot. Okay. I would like to thank Lior for doing this. Thank you for taking time out of your super busy day. You're welcome. <laughs> At home. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I just because I'm working from home doesn't mean that I don't have a lot of work. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, same. Same. <laughs> anyway yeah so no seriously thank you though I totally appreciate it thank you for having me um okay so now you have to say some stupid catchphrase to end it it's gotta end somehow that's all folks oh my god <laughs> you're the same no, person I'm not doing that <laughs> I realized you just did that um thank you for joining me have a lovely evening wherever you may be hold your loved ones close Is that it? <laughs> Put on your favorite emo record. <laughs> Put the lyrics to Jamie in your aim. <laughs> okay, that's a good ending. <laughs>